This is the R Podcast, Episode 6, Importing Data from External Sources. Hi, everybody, and welcome back to the R Podcast. I'm Eric Nance. I'm the host of the podcast. And for those of you new to the to the R Podcast, welcome, and I hope you enjoy what you hear. And for those of you who are coming back, uh, welcome back. And we've had some really great material, I think, in the first few episodes to really get us up to speed with, of course, what R is along with its history and also looking into how to take advantage of the community add-on packages and actually we're going to start utilizing those in today's main topic of importing data because with with these add-on packages we're going to see that not only does the base R have some nice capabilities of importing data but these add-on packages give us capabilities of importing some really new and innovative ways of data being collected and the way data are stored so before that, I wanted to get to a couple of pieces of listener feedback. Message for you, son. Our first listener feedback comes from Ryan, and Ryan writes, Hey, just wrote to tell you I'm really enjoying the podcast so far, and I'm glad you're planning to look at the more powerful R packages like iGraph and ggplot2. I hope that you cover the apply series of functions and how they can be used in place of the loops. They seem to be a useful workaround for writing better code. Keep up the great work. Well, thanks a lot, Ryan. And you are right. We are definitely having the works a visualization episode and frankly, probably multiple episodes. And I'm definitely going to be focusing on ggplot2 as I've been using that a lot for my research lately, but then, like as you mentioned, the other packages like iGraph will definitely be touched on as well. And regarding those apply functions, um, they are definitely powerful, and honestly, that was one of the hardest concepts that I could grasp as I started to learn R, and even to this day, I still kind of look at some references now and then of how to really use those effectively. So, you know, this podcast in a future episode, I think I'll be discussing the apply functions and one of my topics covering, say, data processing or data management, because there are some really interesting ways of using those functions. And actually, another really important feature about those is that when we get to in a future episode about taking advantage of high performance computing power, there are some nice add-on packages that actually have, in essence, parallelized versions of those functions. So it will be important to those who want to take advantage of those to get a better idea of how the apply functions work. So yeah, I'm definitely going to be covering that. And that will be just as much helpful for me as anyone else, because like I said, I still sometimes need to look at a reference now and again and some examples to really master those those functions. So definitely thanks for that feedback. 
And my last piece of feedback actually isn't coming from our email, but that's coming from our Google Plus page for one of our episode posts and one of the comments. So Gordon writes, you need listeners to submit videos of themselves dancing to your outro music. Keep up the good work. As someone without a background in programming or statistics either, it's helpful to hear the context of how the language is working. Well, thanks a lot, Gordon. And yeah, I definitely chuckle at your comment about the music. Um, that And what's really funny is uh, the album that I took that, that uh, outro music from, there are actually some other tracks that I think could definitely fit in that kind of setting. And so... Yeah, it might be amusing to see somebody jam out to that, but that might be, you know, it won't be me, that's for sure. Um, you won't be seeing me on YouTube doing that. But um, actually, I've been listening to tracks from that album and also that website where I get that material called OC Remixes. Got some really cool takes on some of the classic gaming music, especially for the games that I kind of grew up on. So it's kind of cool to see you know, be able to listen to that now and again, especially when I'm in a, you know, pretty intense coding session with R, for example, that really kind of keeps me upbeat and going. So but anyway, thanks a lot for your feedback, and I'm glad you're enjoying, enjoying the podcast so far. So one thing I wanted to mention before we get to the main topic is I touched on it last week, but I would definitely like to hear from all of you listeners, and I proposed a new feature that I'd like to make a regular feature on the podcast called Listener Tips. And I'm hoping to get maybe a short, maybe two, three, four minute, you know, audio clip or audio recording from all of you just about something you've learned that you use in your usage of R that really helps you out from, say, productivity standpoint or just something that's really cool to use. So, Definitely, I'm looking for that feedback, and I hope hope we can, you know, share some of those really great listener tips, since I think, obviously, like myself personally, I definitely benefit from hearing what other people are doing with R, because not it's a great community, as we all know, and we can all learn so much from each other. So, definitely, uh, if you have a chance, definitely, if you have a tip, please uh, send me a short recording, and I'll be sure to play it on the air. So with that, let's get to our main topic for today, importing data from external sources. So we've, we've had, a, a, I think, a great progression as far as the earlier episodes to really get us to the point of, well, getting our hands on some actual data for analysis with R. So... The good news is that the default installation of R already comes with some really powerful and handy functions to really make the process of getting data from an external file much easier into R. And I'm going to talk first about kind of what's available with the default installation and what kind of files you can import. Then I'm going to get to some more of the specialized data and using some of those uh, great add-on packages to make importing data from those other sources easier. So the first type of data file I want to talk about was a delimited text file. And actually, when I first started learning statistics and going through the courses in college and graduate school, a lot of times that's how we would 
you know, get data. We would we would get maybe an external file that was, you know, delimited in some way, and we would simply import that into whatever statistical software we were using and then, you know, try out some analysis. So it's natural that R, along with the other statistical computing packages, has basic functionality to import those kind of files. So the files that I'm referring to are those that perhaps they have a first row that has like the name of each column of data. We usually call that a header. And then of course, from the next rows on, you'll have the actual data. And data points are in essence separated by some kind of what's called a delimiter. And some of the common ways of having this delimiter might be a comma, or which would be usually called a CSV type file, or you might have maybe a tab as your delimiter, or perhaps even just a space. So the good news is that R by default already has functions that can handle all these type of files. The kind of the workhorse of this, the function that really everything else is derived from for these kind of importing is called read.table. And this this is kind of what we call the more general form of these this function. And I'll get to some specialized versions in a little bit. But I wanted to highlight kind of the key arguments to this function that you'll want to pay attention to as you're importing data. The first of which is kind of the obvious one is the file argument, where you would feed in the path to this external data file that you want to import. And one thing that I haven't touched on in the podcast so far is having to do with file paths and kind of the difference between operating systems. So in Windows, you'll often see if you like browse to a certain folder and you have like a Windows Explorer type window open, you always see at the top kind of the address bar of the file path. And it usually contains what we call a forward slash between like the C colon and forward slash, you know, program files slash whatever. Well, one thing to keep in mind is that if you have a data file and you want to, and you're running on Windows and you want to feed this this path as the argument for this function, you got to keep in mind that if you use these forward slashes, R will not be able to take that as it is just the way it is with that one forward slash in between each parts of the path. You'll want to delimit that with another forward slash. In other words, just make sure there are two of these each time instead of just one. Then it'll work just fine. But to me, actually, the easier way to do it is simply reverse the direction of the slash and use like a backslash instead. These, this is, of course, the same direction as when you see a URL online and you have, you know, google.com slash whatever. You know, that, that direction of the slash is the backslash. I would just go ahead and use that direction instead because if you're like me and you go in between different operating systems for using R, I, it's easier for me to remember just use a backslash and then it doesn't matter what system I'm running. I'll be able to get to the file just fine as long as I use that that version of the slash. So that was a bit of an aside, but I wanted to make sure I get that out there since we're talking about referencing files within a function. So back to the read.table arguments, another argument that you'll want to pay attention to is the one called header. 
And what I, this is an easy one in that if your data file has that first row being the names of the columns, just set header to true. Now, if for whatever reason it does not, and all you have is just like the actual data, then of course set this to false, and then you'll have the data replicated correctly. Another argument that actually is quite important because in a, it's a not, per, not so perfect world and that there is of course going to be missing data present is the argument called na.string. So let me explain what this is. So basically this argument is defining what kind of character type sequence in the actual data file that would represent an observation's data point being missing. Now by default, R has set this string in this, in this function read.table, it has set na.string to be the character string na. And actually, R uses that string of na to denote missing values. Well, from my experience, I don't have very many of these text delimited data files that use na as missing. They may use something completely different. And even some other statistical software will use something different as well. So the key point is that if your data file, let's say for example, uses a question mark to denote a missing value, then you'll just want to set na.string equal quote question mark, you know, close quote. And that way R would correctly interpret any data point that's a question mark as a missing value as it's supposed to be. So just pay attention to whatever data file you're importing to what kind of missing value, what kind of sequence it's using to denote missing values. The other argument that you'll want to look at is SEP or SEP. And all that is is just the character type uh, representation to indicate how the columns are separated. By default, read.table uses a space as setting the separator. So in other words, data points in the file, it's expecting that they are just separated by a simple space in between them. So that that can be that's obviously can be the case, and if so, then go ahead and you don't need to change it. But if you have uh, maybe more of a custom separator, then this argument is what you'd want to look at as far as getting that you know that specific separator incorporated into the function. Now, what's interesting is that let's say you have what's called the comma separated value type data file, which of course uses commas. Well, R actually has some nice, what I call wrapper functions to deal with CSV specifically, and it's called read.csv. And all this is, it's like a customized version of read.table, but just customized to like a CSV file. So by default, it has the separator being a comma. So that's pretty nice to have. And there's another kind of custom function called read.dlim, which actually uses a default separator of a tab character. And when, if you wanted to code that yourself, you would just put quote forward slash T close quote, and that's how you could denote a separator being tab. So that's, it's nice that they have these kind of two functions that are basically convenient for when you know you have that type of file to just import that directly into R. The last uh, argument I wanted to touch on is called 
strings as factors. So that's kind of a big one. But what this is, is that this, this argument will tell R whether to convert all columns that have what are in essence character data into a factor. A factor. And we talked about that back in an earlier episode about these different kind of object types. And factors, like I said, they, they're pretty useful for when you want to do like actual grouping type analysis in your statistical you know, analysis or summaries. But it may be the case that maybe some of these character type variables, you don't necessarily want them to be a factor. So what you could do is if you had a whole bunch of these string type variables and you knew that there was only like one or two that you wanted to be a factor, it might be easy just to set this argument strings as factors to be false. And that way you could just then, after you import the data, you could just change the column class for those specific character variables that you wanted to be factors into a factor. That would be pretty easy to do. But that argument, what happens is R will set that argument to be true. So basically, any of those character variables will be automatically set as a factor unless you change it to false. So like I said, depending on the data file, you may want to set that to false if you want to just convert maybe a couple of them to a factor. Otherwise, if you don't care, then yeah, just set it to true, like the default. Now, actually, I should point out there are some other arguments that can kind of fine tune the import in more detail. But to me, these are the ones I most commonly deal with. So I just wanted to throw, you know, mention those specifically on this episode. But I, if you want to know more about these, and actually, I should touch on this now, is that there is a very comprehensive uh, reference manual for everything about importing and exporting data into R. And it's actually one of the manuals that's produced by the R team. It's called the R Data Import Export Manual. And I have a link to that in the show notes. And you'll want to take a look at that because it covers not only what I'm covering today, but it goes into a lot more detail about some more of the customized data types that you might run into. So that's definitely a good reference to check out. So one thing before I move on is that I think it's pretty easy to see that importing these delimited type text files with data is probably the easiest type of importing you'll have as far as getting these getting external data into R. So now I'm going to progress to some more of the specialized type data and making use of some add-on packages to make the process easier. The first uh, type of data that's more specialized I wanted to talk about is spreadsheet data. And of course, when I say spreadsheet, for most, I would say probably most of you listening, that's probably synopsis with Microsoft Excel. If, you're, if you've been involved in maybe an industry type job or even other, maybe in academia, you most likely are using Excel in some form or another for either capturing some data or just whatever else. So even this manual I just referenced, a lot of, it even you know states that one of the most common questions that people who are new to R ask is, how do I import Microsoft Excel data? So 
I'll kind of give you my two cents on, you know, I've, I've done this for a few years now. I've tried different approaches. So I'll just say what's been working best for me, but then kind of reference some other ways of doing it too. So the good news is, is that there are some, uh, actually quite a few add-on packages available for R that can handle importing Excel files. But what I've noticed is that basically all of them are going to depend on another piece of software outside of R being installed. And from what I've seen and what I've, you know, I've tried out, these extra pieces of software are either the Perl language or some kind of Perl installation, um, a Java runtime environment, or in the case of if you're running R on Windows, some kind of specialized access to the drivers that Microsoft Excel uses. So with that said, I've tried out a different thing, a few different packages to do this. And lately, what's been the most successful for me, and the one I'm going, I'm just going to recommend for those that are new to R, is a package called XL Connect. This package has come out, it was somewhat recently, it was last year, but what I've noticed is that of all these packages that deal with importing Excel data, I think it has a few nice features that kind of, in my opinion, and this is my opinion only, put it kind of ahead of the pack of the other packages. So I'll tell you why, why I'm saying this. The first of which is that from what I've seen, the Java runtime environment is fairly cross-platform. And to me, of all this extra software that you know these packages depend on, I think that one's probably the easiest to install for the majority of operating systems. So that, in fact, I use R, of course, on Windows and Linux primarily, and I've had no issues getting a Java runtime environment on either one of those operating systems. So that was one thing. In essence, it's very cross-platform already, so I, I like that feature. Another feature I like is that it can handle not only the what I would call the Excel 2003 and earlier type files, which, uh, which uh, end in the extension .xls, but it can also handle the Excel 2007 and later type files, which end the extension .xlsx. So that's kind of like Microsoft's new version of a, their Office files. So what I, what I like about that is that this package, Excel Connect, uses the same functions either way. And I know some of the other Excel packages are built either just for the pre-Microsoft Office 2007 files, the .xls, or some are also built just for the ones later. But Excel Connect actually can handle both of them, so I like that feature. And lastly, as a package itself, I really like what the authors of Excel Connect have done because on top of, of course, the the required reference manual, they also have a very nice Vignet that's available in their package website. And of course, when you install the package as well, which give you some nice basic examples to get started. And they also have a really nice website too that they maintain regularly where you can get updates. You know, they actually give, in essence, what's changed between versions and kind of give some other nice examples on there too. So it, 
that kind of tells me that they're really actively maintaining it and also I think doing a good job of documentation as well. So as I mentioned this isn't the only package that can do Excel importing and actually the R data import manual that I reference will have you know references to these other packages as well. But just in my experience since this package was released I think this package has been the easiest in order to import Excel files. So if you're in that situation where you have data in Excel format and you, for whatever reason, you cannot be able to save it into, say, a CSV file, which, by the way, in that manual I reference, they, they say if you have the ability to export a data from Excel format into like a CSV format or some other kind of text file that would be the way to go but if for whatever reason you don't have that capability then I would check out the Excel Connect package to get that importing of that data into R and I'll put a link to that package in the show notes for those of you that are interested okay so I wanted to touch on a couple additional uh, types of data that I think especially in today's uh, technology in today's world I think are quite handy the first of which is getting data that's actually stored on say an HTML table on a web page and just to give some context you often see in pages maybe in a Wikipedia article you might see for whatever the topic is a table that has you know various statistics or maybe just some information that you'd like to pull into R directly and another case where from some of my uh, interest is something I check out a lot is a lot of the, the sports statistics sites and maybe sports network sites like say ESPN when you go to a certain sport and you want to look up statistics of course when you do that, you often see the data presented in some kind of table on the web page. So in order to get that kind of data into R, there's a really nice package that's been developed called the XML package. And this package, in essence, will give us a function that will actually automate the process of getting that table from that web page directly into R. So one thing I'll make a note of is for those of you that are running R on the Linux platform is that there is a dependency for the XML package that you want to actually a couple of them that you want to keep in mind before you try installing the XML package in R and from what I understand these dependencies and from what I've experienced these dependencies are called libxml2 and xml2-config so you want to make sure in your package manager that you've gotten those two packages installed and then you should have a smooth installation of the XML package into R. I know I ran into trouble the first time installing XML package on my Linux you know, installation of R and it was not intuitive what was happening but then after I did a search on RSeq I was able to find people saying hey you need those dependencies to get that package running. So I wanted to make sure I threw that out there first. So back to using this package, the function that would handle importing data from this kind of HTML table is called read HTML table, all one word. And actually, but one thing I'll mention right now is, is like the previous episodes, 
I have a script on GitHub that kind of details some of the ex some of these uh, importing procedures that I've been talking about. And I will have a specific example for getting uh, data from an HTML table using this package. On, in fact, it'll be used on a situation of getting some NHL playoff statistics uh, directly into R. So I did want to mention how this uh, read HTML table function works. And as far as what you need to put into it, really the, the, the argument you must have, of course, is called URL. And all that's going to do is just, um, you know, just copy that URL of the page you want to import that has the table and feed that as the first argument. And that will actually at least get you started of getting that table imported into, into R. And actually by default, the reach HTML table will import any and all of these HTML tables that are on that web page. So if, for instance, there was more than one table, it's actually going to take all of those tables that are available. And I should say is that this read HTML table by default will put all these tables that it gets from the import into a list. So when you, if you want to assign whatever you get from read HTML table to a variable, you'll see that I'm doing that in my script. That, that variable that you're, that object you've created from the import will be in essence a list with the number of elements being simply the number of tables that were imported. And each of these tables will be a data frame, which is of course the, the, data, the data object we all most often use when we analyze data in R. So one thing to keep in mind is that when you run this function the first time and you want to just you want to just take a look at what kind of tables it imported, you'll first of course want to make sure you got the table you were looking for. And if you can figure out then which is the table you're interested in, and if you got additional tables you know you don't need them, you can go ahead and run the read HTML table function again, but just use an argument called which which will actually, you just put in there the number of the table that you want. So for example, if the table you wanted was table three of like the five tables it imported, just use the argument which equal three, and then you'll the, the import will forget about all those remaining tables, and that'll actually be much easier for you. But you'll see in my example, kind of an illustration of one uh, topic I wanted to mention here, is that a lot of these HTML tables can be a bit messy. And what do I mean by messy? Well, let's say when you import the table, maybe it has some numeric variables, but then they use like commas in between the, say the three digits, kind of like what we use when we write numbers down, which might trick R into thinking it's some kind of character variable. So that's one, one thing to keep in mind and also, you might see that there are some rows in there that are actually not really data. Maybe they're just some kind of nonsense too of some whatever text is in there. And you'll see that in my example too where what happened is this table on ESPN on top of the header being there it also repeated the header in another row within like the middle of the table which made no sense to me but I had to kind of clean it up and get it out of there 
and then to re-import it again once I figured out what that row actually was. So be prepared to do a little kind of trial and error kind of running of this function just to make sure you get the data in the way you need it. And some other things I noticed is that sometimes they will actually format the column in such a way where basically everything's being read in as a character type column, which obviously if there are some numbers there, that might not be the case. So be prepared to look at how you can do in the function, you can assign the column classes within that import function itself. And you'll see that in the R script that I have on GitHub, I had to do that in order to make sure all the numeric columns were in fact numeric and only treat like the column that had the team as like a factor or a character type column. So just my, my message about this is be prepared to do a little kind of cleaning up as you import this and be prepared to run it a few different times just to get the data right. But I really like this function and like this package because look at all the data that's being presented online and in these kind of HTML type pages. And now we have the capability, thanks to the XML package, of getting this data directly into R and doing something with it. And I've seen a lot of examples of this on kind of the R blogosphere of people doing this, especially with some text type data, but you know, any type of data, they've been using this package extensively. So definitely, you know, if you're keeping up with R bloggers or some of the other specific R blogs, you'll probably have seen some of these examples already. But if you haven't, definitely take a look at some of the posts on there and you'll definitely find one, you know, in relatively easy order. So next I wanted to touch on data that's actually contained in what we call a relational database or in essence a database. So for those of you who may have had a background in some kind of computer science, you're probably familiar with a lot of the different databases available. Some of which include, of course, um, Oracle databases, MySQL, you know, SQLite, and there are obviously a lot of others. And what's attractive about having data in databases is that the way you'll see how R interacts with this is that you only take the parts you need without having to take like the whole database into R itself. And of course, the other attractive feature about databases as a whole is that they can be made to be quite large and of course have the different tables inside relate to each other in certain ways. So I'm, I'm, I'm digressing a little bit here, but I think it's really nice to be able to know how to import data from these databases into R and do something with it, you know, with some kind of statistical analysis. So what I'm going to talk about today is getting data from a MySQL database into R. And the good news is, is that much like that discussion I had about spreadsheets, there are quite a few R packages available to get these kind of database type data into R. And appropriately enough, the package I'm going to talk about today is called R MySQL. And this package is, of course, tailored to get MySQL databases into R and to give the user the ability to query the database. And query is just another way of saying, you know, run some kind of, in essence, a command 
to tell R and in essence tell the database what you want out of it. So the R MySQL package gives you all this capabilities of getting a, in essence, a connection to the database and then be able to do something with it. So they're actually, as I talk through this, be aware that there are a lot more details on this contained in the R data import export manual as well. So definitely check that out if you're interested in these other type of databases as well. So here's how R MySQL works as far as getting a, you know, getting data from MySQL into R. So what it first does and what you need to do is basically establish a connection to the database. And this is handled by a function called DB Connect. Now it's got some required arguments here that you'll want to have handy as far as how you interact with this MySQL database. You'll need to supply your username for MySQL, your password, the database name, and what host it's the database is stored on. And to illustrate this in the R script I have on GitHub, I'm actually going to show just the code I use to connect to a database on my server at home that has actually my R installation also hosted on. There is, I have a program called MythTV, which if you haven't heard about it, it's actually in essence an open source DVR, or you could think of it as like an open source version of TiVo or something. It basically turns my computer that has MythTV installed into a digital video recorder, and I can record shows from my cable feed. And not only that, I can import shows directly from online and, and many, many other features and basically have these little other computers in my home act as what I call front ends to it. And so I have like a little computer attached to my TV and then I can then use that little computer to watch the content that's stored on the Myth TV, what's called the backend system that has all the recordings and all the other kind of multimedia stuff that's associated with the program. Okay, you're probably asking, what does this have to do with MySQL? Well, what's interesting is that MythTV uses MySQL database and tables within that to store all the information about the content and how the program itself runs. So I figured, well, it was a interesting time for me to kind of see what kind of data and how the data is stored in my MythTV setup. So I'm gonna I'm showing in my R script how I connected to that using this uh, DB connect function first. I and of course I'm gonna scramble the obvious sensitive information, but you'll see how I how I feed those arguments in to the DB connect function to actually connect to this MythTV MySQL database. So once you have the connection set up, you then can send what are called queries. To the database itself using what's called the DB send query function. And you can do a lot of different kind of queries. And for if you're not familiar with MySQL, you'll probably want to go on Google and kind of check out some basic tutorials about how you actually generate these queries to do what you're looking to do. Some of these queries could be in essence just showing how many tables are in 
your database. And actually what I noticed is in my database for Myth TV, I think there are over 30 or 40 of these tables contained in the database. So it's obviously a very complex structure. But then you can also do specific queries to get maybe some information about a particular table or appropriate enough getting some of the data out from that table. Now, one thing I'll note here is that at this point, when you've just connected to the database and maybe you sent a query using the DB send query function to the database within R, at this point, none of that actual data from the database is in your R session yet, or actually in your memory, so to speak. All that's in there so far is kind of these pointers to the database, and that's what that connection thing is for. And also, what these queries have, because you can, you basically, you assign this query to an object, and then you can do something with that query object, and that's when you would actually get data. And to do that, you would use a function called fetch. And what happens is you can then feed in the argument to fetch being your object that you store this query in, and then you can also have some other arguments that can customize how much of that query you want to return if it was returning, say, rows in one of the tables. So you'll see in my script what I've done is I've just returned, say, the 20 rows from that query of basically getting all of the data and all the columns of that data from a particular table in my database. And that's kind of handy to do if you're just exploring the kind of the structure of the data a little bit. And you'll definitely want to use that argument. I think the argument is called n to kind of explore the data first before you would say fetch everything. Because what if you have a table that has a huge amount of data? If you get that all that data in at once, you might have memory issues as you as what happens is R stores all the objects you create, all the data you've imported into memory on your computer. And you may, depending on how much memory you have, you may run out if you don't have, if you don't have like a huge amount of memory. So that's one thing to keep in mind. But I really like this package because obviously it gives you the capability of doing some really interesting queries and also getting the results into R itself so that you can then turn loose on some kind of statistical analysis or some kind of data analysis in general. And one thing to keep in mind with this package is when you've, say, finished, you know, working with a query and you've gotten everything you need to get, you want to use a function called DB clear result to, in essence, kind of reset the R MySQL kind of session to not you know, have a, a query in the system so you could do another query later on. And then when you're finished with connecting to the database and you want to kind of shut things down, you can use a function called DB disconnect to actually get out of the session, out of the connection, and then you'd probably be safe to shut down R itself. So I hope my script online will show you kind of how to use these queries in general, but I've only scratched the surface at what this package is capable of. I just wanted to give, give a brief idea of how it works. 
And I'm also going to put in the show notes a link to a kind of handy tutorial that I used to refresh my memory of how the R MySQL package works. So definitely check that out if you're interested. So to conclude this data discussion, I wanted to talk about getting data files from other statistical computing packages. Because for those of you who have experience in one of the other statistical computing packages, you may have data that's already been stored on that and you want to see if you can get that into R directly. The good news is that there is a package available called Foreign, which actually contains functions for importing data files from other statistical software, such as um, SPSS, Stata, and even SAS. I'm going to get to SAS in a little bit, but there's actually, it can handle other statistical computing data files as well. And again, I'm going to sound like a broken record, but there is a lot of good information in that R data import export manual that will kind of show you whatever pack, whatever statistical computing software you can import from using the foreign package. So back to SAS for a second. Um, one caveat with the functions it has to import SAS data is that it is only able to import what are called the SAS transport format data type files. And I think they call this export, like X-P-O-R-T as well. And I personally never really did much with exporting data files from SAS into this format. So let's, and now let's say, what if you just wanted to import the actual SAS data file, which is commonly called with the extension SAS7BDAT. So what's interesting is that somewhat recently there's been a new package, albeit an experimental package, called appropriate enough SAS7BDAT that was released on CRAN that actually has one function, I should may have two, but I think one in particular, that actually reads SAS7BDAT type SAS files into R directly. And I've tried this out myself and I can verify that if this SAS data file, which of course is an extension SAS7B that was produced by a version of SAS on Windows, that this package in my experience works very well at getting these type of files into R. But however, if for those of you that use SAS on the Unix type system, I don't believe this package will be able to import the SAS 7B that files that were produced on that version of SAS yet. And actually the author, you know, has made, you know, clear up front that he did this package as in essence a reverse engineering of how these SAS data files are actually constructed. But just by a nice byproduct, he's been able to get a function that at least from any SAS data file produced on Windows can import that directly into R. And to me, this has been an absolutely huge thing because up to this point, unless you're able to get that SAS file saved as an export file, there was no other way to get a SAS file into R. So I'm keeping a close eye on this to see how much further the package goes. But that's something to keep in mind if you need to import a data file from SAS 
and there wasn't a chance to save it into a different type format, I would definitely check out this package and I'm gonna you know, keep up on its development as well. So I'll put a link to this package, um, the package uh, site on CRAN, as well as its GitHub page on the show notes in case some of you are interested in following the development of this. So that was kind of the, the type of data files I wanted to cover for today's episode. And obviously, I know I definitely could have talked probably another few episodes at least about some of the other different types of data that you can get into R. I wanted to keep it at this kind of level because I wanted to cover kind of a somewhat broad spectrum of the types of files going from what I would consider the easiest to import, again, those text-delimited files, to getting progressively a little more difficult, but with the availability of these nice add-on packages like you know, Excel Connect, RMySQL, and SAS7B that and foreign, that R has the cha- the capability of getting these other data files that in essence may be more proprietary or just maybe more of such a different structure. These packages give us a way of getting that into R itself. So I really think that's useful, obviously, as we go forward with this podcast and start looking at actual analysis and visualization of data. So with that, I think um, we're going to wrap up the this episode. And I wanted to, conclu- wanted to conclude by saying, hope you um, stay subscribed to the R podcast via our link on iTunes or our custom RSS feeds for the different uh, types of audio files that we have for the podcast. Um, and if you like to get up, keep up to date on some show updates, definitely check our Twitter account. Our handle is at the RCast. And also check out our Google Plus page. And as I mentioned, you can also leave a comment directly on the post on that page where I have a post basically for each new episode. If you'd like to send feedback that way, that's absolutely great. And speaking of feedback, of course, please keep on sending your, your great feedback to the rcast at gmail.com. And also, if you'd like to leave some, leave some audio feedback, we have, of course, the ability to record your own audio file and send that as an attachment. Or also, please use our voicemail line as well at plus one two six nine eight four nine nine seven eight zero. And like I said earlier, I'm really hoping to get some great listener tips from all of you so I can play that on the air and let the other listeners of the show really benefit from what, you know, great knowledge of R there is in the community. So with that, I think we're going to close up shop on this episode. So thanks a lot for listening. And until next time. End of line.